It was an absolutely gorgeous day outside. It was about 75, sunny, light breeze, keeping everything cool in the sun, you know. And I was driving my blue Toyota Highlander down Academy Road, heading back home after visiting my sister's church for my nephew's baby dedication. It was one week ago today. And you better know that the windows in that Highlander were rolled down, right? Yeah. Wind keeping me cool. You better know that the combination of sun shining, great weather, windows rolled down, forced my foot to be a little heavier on that pedal. You know what I'm talking about. I was probably driving a little too fast. But there was one piece to the perfect puzzle that was missing One piece that was missing. So quickly I said, hey Siri, play me by Taylor Swift. Guys, don't judge me. That song is a low-key bop, all right? But here's the thing. Yes, the sun was shining. Yes, the weather was absolutely incredible. Yes, I was driving down a road that was winding and beautiful But the thing that brought all of those components together to create a memorable experience was a song. There's something powerful about a song. The notes and chords and keys and melodies and harmonies and so many other things that go into making a song come together to create something uniquely beautiful Unless it's Nickelback or Creed, right? You know? We must have a lot of Nickelback or Creed fans in here. Um, songs move us. Songs bring us joy. Songs define, sometimes in beautiful ways, the inner workings of our heart that we could otherwise never put to words. So why am I standing up in here, here in front of you today On Senior Sunday, where we honor our graduates and celebrate their accomplishments and bring them up here in front of you here in a few seconds and make them feel awkward, why am I talking about song? Why is this the direction that we're headed this morning as we celebrate these amazing graduates? I'm glad you asked. You didn't really ask. I asked, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I believe that there is a song that you were born with. Follow along with me here for a second. I believe that there is a song that you were born with, a song that has been pulsing through your veins and playing in your heart and soul from the very moment that you took your first breath. A song that is similar but unique at the same time to all of us. A song that is in the hearts of Anna and Daryl and Bentley and Sean, but also a song that was in the hearts of Esther and Abraham and Mary and David. This song transcends time and space. This song has been around before the world was made, before you were even a thought, and will be around long after your human body takes its last 
breath, this is the song that our God was, is, and will sing over all of His creation for the rest of eternity. It's the song that the prophet Zephaniah says that God is singing over each and every one of us right now. This is the song that God has been singing from the very first moment of creation. And I believe that that same song dwells in our hearts today. A song of love and grace and healing and redemption and peace and trust and hope and so many other things. So you ask for the reason why we're talking about song this morning. The reason we're talking about song This morning is because this is the song that lives within each and every one of you. This is the song that God is singing. And when you hear a song, when you're driving down the road and the windows are rolled down and that song, that perfect song comes on the radio and it's really, really good, you can't help but sing along, right? See, that's the thing about a really good song first we hear it, we take it in, we listen, we rest in it, and then if it's really good, if it's a really good song, it moves us to a place where we sing it. Now here's the thing, I truly believe, I truly believe that that song is dwelling inside of you right now. God's song of love and grace and redemption and hope. But while that song may be living inside of us in this moment, if we're being honest with ourselves, there's a lot of us who aren't singing the song right now. And maybe we sang it for a season in our lives, right? Maybe there was a time in our lives where we absolutely belted out that song, you know? We were singing it. But maybe we've come to a moment in our lives where passion lent itself to comfort and comfort turned into apathy and apathy transformed our traditions and our comfort into our theology. So for some of us in here, the volume of God's song has been turned way down. And for others of us in here, It might be that that song has been muted entirely in favor of songs that speak to our own ego or our own preferences or our own comfort. Because here's the thing. We don't mute God's song and go about living our lives in a quiet world. We don't do that. What we do is we replace God's song and we adopt one that tells the world what our true priorities are. It tells our friends what our true priorities are. It tells our families what our true priorities are. And here's the scary thing. It tells our kids what their true priorities should be. This is one of the biggest misconceptions of church. That church should be a place that caters to me and spoils me with everything that I want. But the reality of the situation is that church is not self-serving. Church is God-serving, right? And while you and I might have similar 
might not have similar preferences or even beliefs about something, the same song that God has written on your heart is the same song that God has written on mine. That's why church is the craziest social experiment in the world, right? Like, we, let's get all of these crazy, weird, old, young, foolish, wise to get people together and let them hang out and unite under the name of Jesus. What a crazy social experiment. And here's another thing. In our attempt to spoil ourselves with consumer Christianity, we believe, we really believe that we're filling ourselves up with good things. We do. But we're doing quite the opposite. The word spoil means to indulge or to pamper, right? We all know this because we have grandparents who spoil us or we are the grandparents who spoil our grandkids. Any grandparents in here who spoil their grandkids? Show of hands. None? Yes? A lot. Okay, good. Whew, you're with me. All right. I, 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 my, my son, Oliver, is four and a half weeks old. He drinks about four ounces of milk every time he gets hungry. When he goes over to my mom's house, though, guys, I, I, I promise you, I think that she's feeding him like four quarts of milk. Because he comes back to me and he spits up everywhere. And it's just like, she's, uh, Mimi is already spoiling Oliver. Like, already. And he's just four and a half weeks old. I say all of that because we know what the word spoil means, right? We know what that, what that word means. But the word spoil has another definition other than indulging. And the other definition is to ruin or to hurt. So when we as Christians adopt a faith that is all about consumerism and comfort, when we spoil ourselves and we make church all about us, we think that we're indulging ourselves and we're filling ourselves up. But what's really happening is we're harming our walk with Jesus and unintentionally and sometimes intentionally harming the walk of others. And it's our job as followers of Jesus to look at that and say, that's not right. It's our job as followers of Jesus to stand up and fight for unity in our churches. It's our job as followers of Jesus to sometimes lend our own preferences in favor of the preferences of others. That's why church is beautiful. It's not beautiful because of the sameness of everything. It's beautiful because the diversity of church partners with the unity that we find in Jesus. Which finally brings me to the passage that we're studying today, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Paul speaks about unity when he's writing to the church in Ephesus. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16 says this, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle and be patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts 
to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, listen to this, from Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. For Paul, unity is not only about getting along, but it goes further than that. Paul says that Jesus is the source and from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now this is important. Let's dissect this for a second. This is important because not only does Paul teach us here that we are to seek unity, Paul doesn't just teach us about our purpose as a whole, as a church, but he teaches us about what the mission that each of us has as part of the body is. Don't miss it, all right? Don't miss it. The whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament. The whole body grows and builds itself up in love. That's the purpose, all right? Are you ready for your mission? Here's your mission. As each part does its work. What does that mean? It means that you are called by God to use your gifts and abilities and talents to help the whole body of Christ build itself up in love. Paul says every supporting Ligament. He's not excluding anyone from this mission. He's not saying that we can simply sit in our pews and contribute to the mission. He's saying that we've got to get our hands dirty. We've got to get to work. And what Paul does he, is he tells us that the health of the body is reliant on the work of its parts. Or another way of saying that is this. The health of the church is reliant on the work of its members. But if we seek to wreak havoc in our churches and stir up division and discord, we are actively choosing to tear down the body in hate instead of building it up in love. But if we choose to seek unity, if we wake up to the reality that we have a job to do and we have gifts that we can share and others have gifts that may be different than ours but are equally vital to the health and the well-being of the body, if we wake up to that reality, then the church becomes a place where diversity partners with unity and we begin to build each other up in love. 
If we wake up to the reality, if we wake up to that reality, then you and I and all of us begin to sing the song that's on our hearts. But here's the thing, it's different. We're not just singing it alone anymore, but we're singing it in harmony together. And others who have never heard the song might hear it. And they might find it interesting. They might find it captivating. They might find it worthy of being pursued. And they just might, guys, they just might begin to sing the song themselves and join in the harmony. Because the song that God has written on our hearts is not only a song of hope and peace and love and grace and redemption, but it's also a song of unity. And it's time that we all began to sing it. So I want to help illustrate this principle in a really tangible way. I want to help illustrate this principle in a really tangible way. So I asked one of our senior graduates, Allie Grant, to help uh, illustrate this idea and help me out. So would you all please give a hand to Allie Grant. Allie, come on up here. Allie, this is your stool. I will sit in the other one. Welcome. I'm going to bring these so that I don't forget all the questions that I want to ask you. Hey, Allie. This is your microphone. We'll turn it on so that people can hear you. Okay, cool. Um, So, all right. So, Allie G., welcome. It's weird that I called you Allie Grant. Um, It's just weird saying that, but I feel like there's people out here who might not know you, so I had to say your full name. But we call her Allie G. She's awesome, and uh, welcome. You doing all right? Prom was fun last night? Yeah, it was really fun. You're running on how many hours of sleep? Four. (laughs) Four! Solid! Hey, me too. Um, so, um, uh, church, if you don't know Allie G, Allie is a phenomenal musician. She is incredible. She plays multiple instruments, but her instrument of choice is the trumpet is the trumpet. She's a phenomenal trumpet player. And guys, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Uh, it's, it's fitting that her name is Allie G because one day people are going to be like, Kenny G? Who's that? Did you mean to say Allie G? Is it like, is that what? That's legit going to happen. Uh, but Allie G, uh, the reason I brought you up here is because over the last couple weeks, well, actually, so for the last four and a half weeks, I've had a newborn in the house. So I do not have um, uh, sleep. That doesn't make sense, but I have not been getting sleep. Um, so we've been talking, you and I have been talking over the last two weeks about music theory. And uh, for me, I thought it was probably a good idea that I did not get up here uh, with a lack of sleep um, and a crazy dad brain uh, and try to explain to everyone what music theory was like. So that's why I brought you up here, because you're a genius and I am a dummy. But that's okay. She's going to help us through this this morning. Uh, so, Ali G., uh, one of the things that we uh, talked about over the last couple weeks uh, was what exactly a solo is. So, um, a solo, uh, you were describing it to me, and you described it, like, you know those books that say, like, solos for dummies? That's what I was asking some really dumb questions. But Ali G. was so patient with me, and that was great. So, Ali, explain a little bit about what a solo is, what a solo is like. Um, just explain a little bit about that. Okay, so when you're playing a solo, um, you're in front of a group or a judge or your parents or whoever you're playing for, um, and it's just you, and it's really high pressure because if you mess up, everyone knows it was you. You can't just look to the person beside you and be like, 
I do that. So. <laughs> um, but the pressure's on when you're playing a solo because you've spent months with this piece of music. Mm. Um, you, you're cooped up in a practice room just for hours a week, yeah. trying to get it fine-tuned, perfect it. Yeah. So yeah. once it's time to perform, the pressure's on. Wow. So, so a solo is a high-pressure situation because you don't really have an accompaniment. You don't have anybody around you to help support you and lift up. I, I think we have a video of Ali G playing a solo. Can you, can you roll that video? We do. Okay, so, so that is a solo. Uh, you take some notes, you put them together, you play those notes consecutively, and then you got yourself a solo, right? Exactly. Okay, cool. Very, um, very simple, but, uh, but we're explaining it a little bit. Okay, um, now, now, as we were having these conversations about music theory and, and, and how things work, you mentioned that there are certain things that you cannot play alone. So would you talk a little bit about that? So if I had my trumpet up here, I couldn't play a chord, like, just by myself. Mm. It's impossible to play a chord alone or make a mm. harmony. Um, solos are beautiful things. They, they're meant to be. They're written to be. Um, but once you add in other instruments, some amazing things can happen. Mm. You can make different types of chords. It's all very complicated, but the two basic um, types of chords are called major chords and minor chords. Mm. So a major chord is, like, a happy chord it makes you have a warm feeling inside and then a minor chord is more like melancholy it, mm. it sometimes makes the audience uncomfortable mm. personally I like minor chords better just because you can connect with like the audience so much better mm. um, through the uncomfortable I think like yeah. Yeah. in the music um, so yeah yeah. So, so a chord cannot be played alone, right? right? Like you have to have somebody uh, standing beside you. On, on a trumpet, you cannot play a chord alone. On a guitar, you could. Yeah. But on a trumpet, you cannot play a chord alone. You have to have somebody playing another piece of music uh, uh, together with you. Um, a chord could be a harmony, or a chord could be two people playing uh, two pieces of music that blend really well together, right? Um, so um, I think we have a video of Ali G playing a harmony so that, uh, just to illustrate this point a little bit better. Alright, so that was a harmony. Um, it was a little different, right? Like, we heard the two pieces of music playing together. They blended really well together. It was a little more interesting. It was a little more intricate, right? Um, Ali G, describe for us, now, now, describe for us what it would be like if, if multiple, like, not just a harmony, but a lot of people were playing a piece of music. Like, what's the difference in that and, like, a solo or something like that? So it's kind of like pancakes and bacon. Pancakes like, and bacon? You know, like, one trumpet is like a pancake. Like, it's okay. good alone. Yeah. But you add another trumpet, and that's bacon. That's like, incredible. They're both beautiful, but put them together. Which, yeah. hey, this is hilarious. Yesterday, we had, me, uh, Christine and I had 
Allie G over to the house uh, for breakfast so that we could talk about this. And we had, oh, we didn't have pancakes, though. We cinnamon had cinnamon rolls, rolls and bacon. Same and that, that was the origin story of that comment. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so it's like pancakes and bacon. I love it. Right. Um, <laughs> so, for sure, the more instruments you have, it can be more interesting. Different people can play different rhythms, different notes to um, make the tone of the piece different, make it happy or sad again. Mm. Um, personally, I would rather play in a small ensemble because, yeah. like, when you're playing a solo, there's no hiding, mm. you know. Mm. Um, they just take a lot of practice. Like, when I'm practicing a solo for something, I'll just stay in a practice room, just work on it for hours, and it's hard for me because I'm a very social person. And it can be frustrating whenever, like, people interrupt me, you know, I'm like, I'm trying to practice here. <laughs> um, but it's a lot more fun to play in a small ensemble or a duet because yeah. you're with your friends. You get to bond with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to experience the victories together. Yeah. There's something so much more re- rewarding about that than just if you're alone and, like, mm. like make better, make yeah. something better. Absolutely. But with your, when, when you're with other people, you can celebrate that together yeah. and work towards the same goal. Yeah, yeah. When you add in different pieces of music... It gets a lot more interesting, right? It's more intricate. There's a lot more going on. And, 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 and the thing about it is, too, when you add in more, it could, it, could, it could turn into something really powerful or moving. Watch this last video. Allie G, thank you so much for sharing your amazing gifts with us this morning. Everybody give it up for Allie Grant. When you add in different pieces of music, the song takes on a new form. It becomes more interesting. It, it, there's, there's more intricacy about it that wasn't present when it was just a solo. The notes and melodies and harmonies are doing a beautiful dance as the rhythm melds together to form something new and fresh and powerful. Guys, the church was never meant to be played as a solo, but rather a symphony. A symphony of preferences and beliefs and likes and dislikes and old and young and new and fresh and wise and experienced. 
Because even though we all may be playing a different piece of music, when those pieces are played well and we play them together in harmony, the result is something beautiful. The result is something that will move you to a place where you are closer to Jesus than you've ever been before. The result is something that doesn't just rest in your heart, but echoes from your soul. The result of that harmony and that unity is transformation in our lives and the lives of so many people that have never heard the song that God is singing, the song that lives within them. Because here's the truth that we've been working toward this entire morning together, uh, this morning. This is, this is the truth that we've been headed toward. I want to I talk for a second to just our younger generations in the room, all right? Just the younger generations here. Senior graduates, listen to me. High school students, middle school students, elementary kids. Kids, listen to me right now. You need the older generations in our church that are sitting in this room with you. You need their wisdom. You need their experience. You need their expertise. You need their stories. You need their relationship. You need their love and their history and their unique perspective that you do not have. Because because you, you haven't experienced what they have yet. You haven't. And that's okay. That's why you need them. There are certain people in our church who you look at and you think they're irrelevant because they're old. But that couldn't be further from the truth. They are the opposite of irrelevant. They are relevant because they are further down the road than you and they've experienced everything that you are about to experience every year for the rest of your life. (laughs) That sounds pretty relevant to me. Younger generations, you need the older generations in our church. Now, I want to speak to our older generations in our church. You need the younger generations in our church that are sitting in this room with you right now. You need their energy. You need their youth You need their fresh perspective. You need their questions. You need their stories and their relationship. You need their love and their spirit because it's really easy to experience this thing that we call life and grow tired of the calling that God has for us and become comfortable. And that's dangerous because when we are comfortable, we stop growing. And as followers of Jesus, we should never stop growing. It's only through discomfort that we grow. So if you're listening to me right now, and you're a member of our older generations in our church, you need our younger generations to help you feel uncomfortable. So that despite your wisdom and experience that you do have, you can continue to grow into the likeness of Jesus. And if that statement made you feel uncomfortable, good, I made my point. Because here's the thing, church. Our young people are investments, all right? 
The families of our senior graduates can attest to that today. They have had 936 weeks with their senior graduates since the day that they took their first breath. 936 weeks where our families have invested their time and love and sleep and energy for their kid. That's an investment. We invest in the things that we love, right? And the scariest thing about all of this, the scariest thing about all of this, this is we are losing our young people. We're losing our young people. Research says that one in two high school graduates will drift away from their faith within the first year of college. One in two. We're about to wrap up and bring our seniors up here on stage. And research says that half of the seniors standing on the stage today will not be around this time next year. If that doesn't scare you for the future of the church, I don't know what will. And instead of continually blaming them and saying that it's their fault that they're leaving, I think it's time that we own some of that responsibility, if not all of it. I love the way that Darius Daniels puts it. He says this, we have to make the decision that we cannot delegate the future of the next generation to one department. This isn't the next-gen department's responsibility. It's the church's responsibility. If something matters to you, you'll sacrifice for it. I don't know about you, but I don't want our young people to become a statistic. I don't want them to drift away. You know how we combat that statistic? Relationship and unity. Relationship and unity. We begin to sing the song in our souls together instead of singing our own songs at one another. We listen to the words of Paul in Ephesians 4 and we build each other up in love. Because when we seek relationship and unity, that student who drifts away from church within the first year of college isn't just a number, but we have a relationship with that person. And that number gets a face and a relationship and a desire for us to do whatever we possibly can to bring them back home, right? They're no longer just a statistic, but there's a face there. There's a name that we know. There's a relationship that we have. And we will fight for that young person to get brought back home. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let us be a church that loves and supports and builds one another up in love. Let us always seek unity and peace. Let us use all of our gifts to create a beautiful symphony playing and singing the song that God has placed in our souls. Let's get to work.